It's no secret that I go out of my way to prioritize my physical fitness. Yeah, I want to look good, but my physical well-being is the pillar of my overall well-being. It has a direct impact on my mental and emotional health. But it doesn't matter how hard I work out, how frequently I work out. If I'm not fueling my body correctly, I'm not going to see the results that I want to see, and neither are you. Which is why Tough Talk with AJ Kirsch is proud to be sponsored by Central Valley Nutrition, a mom-and-pop health food and supplement store. And when you go to centralvalleynutrition.com and use checkout code AJK15, you get 15% off every single item they sell. So if your health is important to you, and if it's not, I'm telling you, it should be, get 15% off store-wide with checkout code AJK15 at centralvalleynutrition.com because it's never too late to get your fit together. What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of Tough Talk with AJ Kirsch, a tell-all podcast 10 years after Season 5 of WWE Tough Enough. I am your host, Season 5 contestant AJ Kirsch, back for Round 2, Tough Enough co-executive producer and longtime WWE production guru, Doug LeBeau. Last week, Doug and I discussed his education in pro wrestling, his time at WWE, and how he arrived at Tough Enough. This week, he and I discuss the final few episodes, the finale that aired before Monday Night Raw, the controversy around declaring Andy the winner, and what his relationship is like with pro wrestling today. A ton of ways you can support the podcast. Of course, you can subscribe on your podcast provider of preference by going to thetoughtalkpod.com. You can follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's all at the Tough Talk Pod. You get access to early and ad-free episodes, full-length bonus episodes, and a whole lot more by signing up for the Money Talks tier at patreon.com slash Kirsch. You can rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which really does help get more eyes and ears on the show. And finally, if you want to advertise, shoot an email to aj.kirsch at hotmail.com and we'll get the conversation going. And here we go, everybody. Another hour and a half with WWE Tough Enough co-executive producer, Doug LeBeau. And we're rolling and back once again with Tough Enough co-executive producer, Doug LeBeau. Thanks for coming back, man. Last time was such a blast, just cluster fucking all over the place with our conversation, but we've got a little bit more to cover. (laughs) LeBeau part due, using my French last name, we'll we'll, we'll go there. We're making it fancy, I see. Okay. I'm I'm a study in um, controlled cluster fucking, so... It is, it is no wonder that we were quixotic in the water. Controlled cluster fucking. What? Is that a PhD? Is that a master's? Oh, it's a PhD. I think it's a, it's a, it's a master class. It's everything. It's, it's, it's decades of, 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 of tutelage and study, for sure. Yeah. Well, also, as we covered in the prior episode, you came from the wrestling world. So definitely no shortage of cluster fucks coming from the wrestling world when you're responsible to create so much... Uh, Brand new content, week in, week out, year after year after year. So coming into Tough Enough, you were ready to kind of bring that same attitude to reality television, which you hadn't had a lot of experience in. But again, we're, yeah. we'll just that's that was the basis. That's where we started kind of with the prior episode. But as we arrive here, we covered, I mean, we covered a great deal in the prior episode. And so... As we're at this point right now, I want to keep it a little bit more streamlined if we can. I mean, you know, all due respect to your PhD in clusterfucks, right? But like, 
we covered a lot of how everything was happening, how you uh, and Steve were working together closely, how Steve and Eric were working to cl- together closely. You kind of bringing everybody up to speed as much as possible on the wrestling side of things and WWE culture. And how your shining moment almost didn't happen because it wasn't scheduled to happen. Until right. That's happened. right. That's right. Rock wasn't even supposed to be there today, but things were rearranged to, to make that happen, which of yes. course made that moment yes. infinitely more special for me. But um, I want to stay a little bit more on track this time and kind of cover the beginning of the end of the show, because we were, you know, people were, were, were dropping like flies. Martin got hurt. So he had to withdraw. Do you consider that? Do you consider, um, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I have a cheat sheet in front of me from, from Wikipedia, just reminding me of, you know, the, the, the eliminations. Sure. And they pretty much, you know, obviously I think Matt went way too early, but you understand why he went and Rima and, and Ryan and even Darth, you know, even Eric Watts, who I love, you know, all that was sort of, you know, to use like a college basketball term, all that was pretty much chalk, you know, it, you know, they, it was, it was their time or, you know, they were, they, they were certainly ready to go. Yeah. Um, but I guess the first one that started the, wow, it's going to start getting crazy is Evelise, And that was because of her injury. Right. And then bam, we went from Evelise right to Martin. So is that kind of where you want to start? And, in, 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 you know, when it started getting crazy up in here. Yeah. yeah. Let, let's start there actually, because as you bring that up, um, Martin tells a story, um, I don't think we haven't covered it publicly on the podcast yet because it was, we, we covered the casting process in episode one, but I do want to get him back to cover his experience on the show. But he either, I, he said it was either you or Eric. And I think this sounds like something you would say where when you were coming back from the hospital or maybe going to the hospital and you found out that his ankle was actually broken, somebody and tell me if this was you or not told him you just fucked up the rest of our season or something similar. Like you just, you just fucked up the direction of the show or something because it was looking like it was going to be Martin and Luke going into the finals because Martin was killing it at that point. Does that sound familiar? Well, to you? It, 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 it does, but it doesn't. And, you know, again, now it's almost 11 years ago. So right. you know, I almost wish we had this conversation, but I do remember, you know, Martin crying, you know, really despondent and, and, you know, really, just crushed and devastated. And I don't remember if it was in the ambulance or if it was on the wing skirt, you know, uh, right before that waiting for the ambulance to come or, or I, or I didn't go to the hospital with him. I don't remember that. It's not in my, you know, in, in, in so in that, you know, someone else might've gone with him or may, maybe, you know, we let just the medical team go and we checked up on him after. Right. But I think that he knew. And I think that, it is within me to have said to him and not being lying, like, man, you, you, you brought so much to the show. Um, and um, yeah, man, we're going to have to pivot because I, I think the fans too were, had expectations of, of how talented he was, how, how, you know, he was, how packaged, but, but raw, if that makes sense, he was how, you know, yeah. he's such an all American underdog in all the best ways. Um, uh, right down to his nickname. Um, right. And uh, Donny you know, Osmond. So, so, so I don't remember those words coming out of my mouth, but I 100% remember him and I having an intimate moment and I wouldn't put past me to tell him, Hey man, listen, like you were great. Thank you for bringing everything you brought to the show. And yeah, we're going to have a, some crazy pivoting to do because you're right. not going to be with us anymore. 
But if I said that without sounding um, narcissistic, it was I would I would have said that to him to say to him, listen, man, thank you. Like, no, thank no. You for, for bringing right. your best and, and, you know, doing everything you did to help make the show, because I think and, and maybe you can speak to this. I think by that time, we all knew, meaning, meaning Eric, me and even you guys, we all knew that this was a special thing. Yeah. Like, we all knew we were on to something really special here. Again, due to Steve's realness and rawness, due to Eric's recognition of that um, and running with it, due to the WWE's recognition that all that needed to happen through, through my observations or whatever. So, and then your, um, I think, as contestants, understanding that this was as real a boot camp as, as a reality show was going to get. So, I think that, again, going back to Martin, it was understood how special it was. And I think everyone, probably you included, was just crushed that this was how it had to end for him and he can no longer be included in it. Absolutely. And something I want to make very clear is that that, the, that phrase that I started off with, with, you know, you just fucked up the rest oh, of no, our season, no, no, yeah, wasn't okay. like, what the fuck? You just ruined our series. Yeah, no, it was no, like, you were on track to win this thing. It's like, you were, this, we saw you going to the very yeah. end and maybe even winning this thing. So it was almost like, you know, the punch yeah. on the shoulder, just being like, yes, thanks, man. You just fucked up the rest of our season. No, no, because you were going to win this. And certainly, like I said, that's definitely, you know, how I handle my little league team. You know, like when a guy yeah. gets hurt or checks out, that's, you know, I let them know how important they were to the team. And I think, you know, I definitely did that with Martin. But, but you know, what's interesting, and we may have touched on it in part one, but I don't think we knew, you know, we knew how special it was, but I don't think we knew how, um, you know, wide open the, the business would be that to everyone on this list being in, as involved as they wanted to be moving forward. Right. I certainly didn't like who would have known that Donnie would have become Marty the Moth, and who would have known that, you know, at, you know, Matt Cross would have been, you know, the, one of the top indie guys in the world. And, and, you know, Christina having her career and, and, and right. You know, Ariane blew up. Yeah. I mean, so, so I don't think we knew that then. Um, and I think that's probably why that conversation was had. Um, um, it's not like people on American Idol now, like, and again, we, we may have touched on them before, like you, you finish top five, you're going to have plenty of opportunity. I don't right. think we knew this back then, but just to sort of put a button on your question, I do very much remember sitting, having a one-on-one sort of intimate, you know, straw, raw stripped down, like, Hey, no bullshit. Martin, you were great. Thank you for everything you did. You're, you're such a, a great human being. And, and, you know, the future is bright kind of conversation. Yeah. Amid tears, amid tears. Sure. Sure. And, and I, you know, selfishly, like I think me and the other contestants who were still aware around at the time kind of breathed a sigh of relief that he was on his way out because he was top dog. He had won three skills challenges in a row. One of them on his birthday, like he was riding higher than anybody else at the time. And I hadn't had a lot of great days and I had started, I was starting to have some pretty rough days. So had it not been for Martin's injury, excuse me, I don't think I would have been around long enough to have that moment with the rock. I don't think I would have lasted that long. Like I, and he and I are friends now. So we like joke about it, but I'm just like, Hey man, I still owe your glass ankle a drink. Like, like (laughs) he, because he, that, that, that injury definitely bought me some time because I knew where I was in the competition at the time. I was, I was, you know, I was flying under the radar. Were you aware? Were you you that, you know, sort of on top of it? And again, I'm cheating looking at the list, but like, 
you think you were that on top of it. It was like, all right, I'm looking at the final six and it's like, you know, me, Christina and AJ, and then, you know, Martin, Jeremiah and Luke and, you know, and I'm probably somewhere in trouble. Was oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That wasn't, that wasn't lost on me. And then especially after Christina and I had that moment where we were in the ring and right. she ended up getting hurt, like, right. which was largely my fault. Like, at that point, well, I was like, it, Fuck. "Can you talk about that?" Yeah. You know, so, how does how do you, you know, and and everyone listening to this podcast can understand that you know, instead of calling you a superstar or a wrestler, you're a performer, right? Sure. So we can use the term "performer." When you're performing in front of cameras like that, and and you know, yes, you're a dance partner, but it's it must have been hard for you to have been like, really, like I got to take the blame for this. Well, yes and no, yes and no, because the way I remember it was. We were put into the skills challenge was a match situation where somebody had to come off the top with something that was part of the, that was the guidelines. Like somebody has got to come off the top. And so where I was coming from was going back to Ivalice. She was so banged up by the time that she was given the ax. And part of the reason she was banged up was because she was in the ring with Christina and Christina coming from a cheerleading background. She did a leapfrog, but did a leapfrog the way a cheerleader would like do a full split and came crashing down on the back of Ivalice's neck. And if you can't hop over five foot, nothing Ivalice in my head, I'm like, you just can't jump. You have, you, you don't have that ability to jump high enough to get over somebody, let alone somebody who is five feet tall in boots. So when we were talking about the match, I was under the impression going into the match as it was happening, that she was going to come off with the cross body. Which again, with not a lot of, um, and I don't know, maybe you have details that you can actually go back to and confirm this to make sure I'm not remembering incorrectly. But like when she was coming off the top, I thought deliberately to getting closer than I would anybody else because everything I'd seen up to that point has shown me that she can't jump. So I need to get in a little bit closer to be able to catch this cross body. She ended up coming off with a double axe. I remember that. Did not and and because I was closer to the turnbuckle than I would have been um, for either anybody else or even if I knew that she was going to come up with the double axe, she didn't have enough room to find her footing. She landed she awkwardly was. on her ankle, and then yeah. I felt like a sack of shit because somebody I was in the ring with and trusted me to take care of them ended up getting hurt. And so even though. And, and, you know, I didn't want to like raise a big stink about it and be like, well, we talked about this and she came down with this. The fact is somebody was hurt and it wasn't the time for that conversation. And so when Steve came over to me and was like, you should have given her more space. I should have given her more space had I known she was going to come down with a double axe. So there was either a misunderstanding or a miscommunication there. But again, I was in the ring when somebody else got hurt and that that immediately put me from it being in the crosshairs to having a lock on right between the eyes. And I knew that. Well, let me, I have a couple of questions for you based on, okay. this. I do, I, you know, I, again, I thank you for, for the, for the, all this vivid memory recall. Cause I, I, it is coming back to me. I have a couple of questions for you. Okay. One, obviously, and, and I wouldn't call your career direct to well, easy for me to say trajectory after the show, you know, hardcore in ring but you've done your fair share between hood slam which i think is the coolest thing since sliced fucking butter and <laughs> a lot of other stuff and you know just stuff you did with aw dark and you know even you know, even your uh 
your tag team efforts in WWE afterwards. Like, you know, yeah. I'm well versed in, 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 in my Brody. Yeah. Um, Former uh, Yellow County Tag Team Champion, baby. That's right. That's right. <laughs> so do you think that, you know, if that show happened three years later into your career, you would have had better recognition of how to handle that? That's question number one. Mm. Um, and question number two is, do you ever regret not, you know, nosing up to Steve and saying, hey, man, like, here's what I was preparing for, this, whatever. I saw it. I recognized. I still couldn't give it a space. Do you ever second guess yourself not sort of doing that? And, and if you did, what do you, how do you think Steve would react? Yeah, <laughs> man. Um, the, man, a, a lot of questions. Um, had the show happened three years later, I don't know that I would have handled it any differently because again, like it, the thought did cross my mind to kind of pull one of the trainers aside and be like, here's what we talked about. Here's what happened. This is why I was, you know, closer, closer to her than I would have been otherwise. And I don't know that it would have done me any good because one of the lessons that Bill had been drilling into our heads the whole time is that anytime you point the finger at somebody, you've got three other fingers pointing back at you. And so I didn't want to be the competitor who was like, yeah, but, but they did this and blah, blah, blah. Yep. Like, yep. That, I don't think, totally that understand. yeah, I don't think that would have reflected well on me. So I had made, I had made the effort to be like, here's, I, I could go this way, but at this point I'm again, I'm already in the shit house because I haven't really performed all that well up to this point, enough to get by, but I haven't really stood out at all. And now the way that I am standing out is that I didn't give Christina enough space and she ended up hurting herself. So I don't think it would, had it been three years later, five years later, I still think I would have not picked that hill to die on. Um, And I don't know, you know, mentioning it to Steve, he may have understood um, I think he would have understood had I pulled him aside and mentioned it to him. But again, in the, in the, um, with the idea of winning a competition in mind and knowing that if I'm talking to Steve, it's going to be on camera. We did, we had zero yes. access to the trainers. If the, if the team wasn't around, it's not like we hung out or got to pick their brains or ask for feedback right. when they weren't shooting. So this was going to be part of the show which I was also convinced wasn't going to air because it was really pulling the curtain back on wrestling and be like, this isn't what we talked about. You know, like, I don't, I don't, we wouldn't have, we would not have, you know, as, 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 as generous as we were with some curtain pulling that never would have made the show. Just because, you know, you have to understand that Vince, this was, you know, to his credit, this wasn't the easiest green light for him because he is still to this day, you know, so protective of some of the old school parts of the business and, you know, amazingly so. So certainly that would have been, you know, one of the things I would have mixed, you know, right. as my responsibility. So, right. But, so that, but, that, but, that occurred to me as well. I was like, there's no way it's going to air, even if I do decide to pull them aside and talk to them about this. And, and the, the juice wasn't worth the squeeze and the risk wasn't worth the reward if you did. Right. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, what was the second question? That was, that was, uh, I think that, I think that was it. The question. Okay. Oh, yeah, well, you know, like, what is that? Had I, yeah, yeah, right, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So yeah. it just wasn't, I, you know, all that like flew through my mind in two minutes or something as I was like in the ring, letting everybody tend to Christina. And so I was just like, is, is this it, is not the time. Isn't it amazing? And I, I still, you know, I still am amazed at, at the talent and the, the cerebral nature of the business that you, and, you know, obviously, you know, from Stone Cold Steve Austin and 
Tron Michaels down to, you know, the guys first learning, you know, and to the people in between like you and Evelise and Eric. But I always find it so amazing how much you have to process in, 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 you know, a split second, let alone a 45 minute match or a 25 minute match. Like I, I try and explain to my, my kids who are eight and 10, you know, and I use baseball as, as you know, the, the conversation piece. I'm like miles, a pitcher throwing a 95 mile an hour fastball from 60 feet away. And a batter has to see the ball adjust split second without thinking and make, make decisions that, you know, directly affect his livelihood in split seconds. And that's one at bat for 30 seconds, you know, a minute. Wrestlers are doing it for, like I said, 15, 20 minutes at a time, almost every step of the way. And it always impressed me and always amazes me about about that part of business. And that's something that I don't think people who are not familiar with pro wrestling give it credit for. Like, you know, there's still, you know, there still are people out there who are like, oh, you know, it's fake and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, say what you will about the predetermined and performance aspect of professional wrestling. But those adjustments need to have are happening nonstop, really. I don't think you can put a number on how many times you have to adjust and how you have to remember where the cameras are and to play to the crowd and what's coming next and what story you're trying to sell or trying to tell and what you're supposed to be selling. And there's just so much that goes into it that to this day, I don't think it gets the credit it deserves for being such a, a menagerie of all things performance. And, and, and cerebral, but I will say that I, I agree with you. It doesn't, but for the people that do get it, that's why there's a WrestleMania because right. there are 90,000 people willing to spend $90,000 to sit in an <laughs> arena and like be like have their mind blown about those exact things. Yeah. You know they make, I mean? so they make are, for those moments that people yes. do tell their kids about. Yep. Yep. Um, I want to touch on something you mentioned before we got into uh, Christina's injury, and then we'll kind of circle back to uh, the the closing episodes of Tough Enough. Um, how hands on was Vince with Tough Enough? Was he getting briefings, or was he seeing what are they called dailies? I think where you actually send footage. That's a really, back? you know, that's a really good question, and unfortunately, I'm not. I I, I can't give definitive answer, but I will tell you. Because remember, I didn't leave the set. I was with you. Right, you were there. You were there twenty four seven. Two weeks prior till you know till the last event where Andy won. Sure. Um, so you know, I will tell you that knowing Vince the way I do, and knowing Vince and Kevin's relationship the way I do, um, and I- I'm sure he was well aware of what was going on. Um, in that it was going very well, and my gut is is that you know, Kevin wanted to keep him looped in because as I mentioned just prior that this was a hard green light for him just because of, you know, even before this episode, like even like, I mean, even this series season, right. you know, even earlier, like it was just a, you know, it took a lot for Vince to, to allow it to happen. Cause that was, you know, he came from an old school part of, of, of the business. And, and so again, I'll give him credit for allowing that, but, but certainly this one took, took tough enough to another level. So I think that Kevin was probably looping him in. I also think, as you know, the business is very small. So he got feedback from all the WWE talent that were there that, you know, to Eric's credit and to small part, my credit, you know, they were treated very well and they were, you know, allowed to be themselves when they needed to be and, and, and participate in the creative around how they were used and all that stuff. So I think that uh, Vince knew that the talent was, was happy. Um, certainly uh, Steve was happy and was, was loving it. 
Um, but I think that all of that was, um, to use your term, I think he was just being kept in the loop or you know, was as hands-on as you can be getting information from others. But once it was down to the final two, he was hands-on. Right. I see. Ooh, I cannot wait to bust open that question. And then when we get down to the final yeah. two, um, yeah. quick side note, because you mentioned how protective Vince has been of the business historically. Did it shock you in what I want to say was 1997 when he actually, or maybe it was 98 when he actually came on TV and said, we think you as an audience think you're sick of being dictated the story of good guy versus bad guy. And we're going to, revise the creative of our product to reflect a new generation here in the world wrestling federation. You remember that, that televised, you know, I was a, I was a producer in the, in, in, in in the on-air promotions department at the time or, uh, so yeah, I remember it. And obviously it was not a, a a flippant, um, event. Right. Um, It was long thought over, um, uh, at that time, far above my pay grade, but you know, I was high enough up and, and, connected enough to know what was that was a discussion that was pervasive throughout the whole company and what was yeah. going on. And I, I, again I think listen it had to happen right it, it, it had to happen it, it, it's it, it's look at reality television now and look out where you know sort of unscripted was back in the day it it, it you know I think there were a lot of factors going into it um, but I think it had to happen and it happened at the right time because I think it opened up doors um, for, for directional pivots within the, the WWE that needed to happen. Yeah. Um, and without it, I don't think it would, be, you know, the billion dollar company would be a billion dollar company today. Right. Uh, it just would have been, it would have plateaued, I think. Last question on that moment in history before we proceed and, and circle back to tough enough. Could could a, a change in creative happen without Vince coming on television and say, here's what's happening? Because it, it could have been an internal conversation. It could have been something that wasn't televised or didn't even see the light of day. And we could have just started seeing Austin flip more birds and drink beers and DX telling everybody to suck it and seeing more sexual themes. Why air something like that, in your opinion? Well, that's a good question, and and thank you for phrasing that last thing because it really would just be in my opinion, but right, right. An, informed, an informed opinion as I was inside the, you know, the, the the castle walls as as you know, the as the king stood on the parapet and and announced to the world that <laughs> hear you know, ye, hear ye. Yes, yes. Um, you know, you know, Vince is a lot of things, right? But he's no dummy. He's no he's he's no dummy. Um, and I think that it was thought over and I think that, you know, he was counseled by a lot of smart people, you know, from production side, like Kevin to, you know, his longtime confidants, uh, Pat Patterson and, and Triple H and whoever was, you know, in, you know, uh, the, whoever the Knights of the round table were at the time. Sure. Um, but, you know, I, I think if, if it was handled a different way, maybe things would have happened slower, you know, and would that have been better or worse? Who knows? But but I think that the about face of it, you know, the the to use your term, the hey, you know, like maybe the fuck you's not around. It's it's like hey, you know what? We're making a hard left, and you're coming with us. Right. I think I, I'm going to throw the, the the question back at you because I was an employee and on board with what we did. You as a lifelong fan and a, a you know a devoted wrestling you know just 
consumer on right. every level. How did you react to it? I think, you know, I'll, I'll give you my opinion and then I'll let you answer the question. Okay. I, I think it probably was smart in this way. If it didn't work out, Vince would have taken all the heat, which is awesome, right? Yeah. I hit the Vince character. Like if it didn't work out and people didn't buy what he was selling, you know, all Vince's fault. But to your point, if, 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 it, it, you know, if he didn't do that and we did the slow burn, like you suggested, and it just wasn't firing, then it would have been like, oh, what's wrong with the bit? You know, like if it didn't work out, blame it on Vince and we can do it another way. And Vince was so the character Vince was such a great way to do it because it's, a, it, you know, if it didn't work here, here's your fall guy. Right. Right. And if it did work, it feeds right into the beast of Vince McMahon, the character and is Vince McMahon, the, 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 you know, the sort of genius uh, that, that, that is taking that he, uh, of a business that he already sort of took and reshaped once and now is taking in a whole new direction again. So, so I think right. for that reason, it's pro- it was probably a really smart idea. That's a good point. And that didn't occur to me too, is that if, if it, if it just crashed and burned and was met with, you know, Oh my God, the ship has already been sinking for so long. Everybody desert, desert the ship. Then Vince could have been like, well, it's on me and it's not on, you know, he, he could take the business the for it. Right. It's right. It's, right. Yes. It's not on the, it's not on the business. It's on him. This was a decision that he made. The boards came out of his face. This is something he was doing. Not that, not the company was necessarily doing, but of course, ultimately it is his decision because it was, and still is his right. company. Um, as a fan and somebody who wasn't completely smart to how everything worked at the time. Cause I don't, I was like 13, I think when, when this right. happened, I, I was intrigued, honestly, more than anything else, which I'm sure was a big part of it because I'm like, here's the someone in real life who in real life is the owner of this company saying, like pulling the curtain back further than it had ever been pulled back on television before saying, here's like almost acknowledging for the first time that we know that you know what this is. We as in the WWE pro wrestling, we know that the fan is now far more aware of what this actually is than ever before. And we're going to take these 60 seconds and acknowledge the wink and the smile and be like, it's going to get more fun from here. Right. Like, and so, again, uh, right, right. So, so, and, and, and hearing you say that the other smart thing they did is after they did it. And, and again, everything's so calculated and they know what they're doing, you know, so well, but after they did it, if you, if you think about it, they almost immediately said thanks, but no thanks to guys like Bastion Booger and Duke right. the Dumpster Drosy and right. T.L. Hopper. Yeah. T.L. Hopper. And these characters that in the circus days made sense, and I'll call it that, or the pre attitude era, like whatever. And then almost immediately, you had real people. Like you right. had, you can identify Bret Hart as Bret Hart. You can identify Steve Austin or Steve Williams as Steve Williams. And you can identify Shawn Michaels with Shawn Michaels. He was wearing his chaps and doing his thing and and right so we you know and without that turn there was no there would never have been a brock lesnar there would never have been you know like and you know it it, it didn't stay that way all the time like if you remember when john cena first came on his his rap thing was a little goofy and whatever but he was still a guy he still wasn't you know he wasn't the bus driver he wasn't like the but dj john the other side of that though is that there was there were still those characters but it was a pimp or it was a correct star so it was like, it's like, we're still going to have occupations, but we're right. going to have 
occupations that are a little <laughs> bit skewed more toward the 18 to 35. <laughs> so you yes, go, yeah, you go from the top to the pimp. Like, you know what I mean? Like that evolution. Oh my God. That's there's still those, you had too cool and you had yes, right yes. to censor. Like yes. you still had these cartoonish over the top yes. characters, but they, they resonate adult, adult themes. Right. Yes. Adult themes, right. Yes. Censorship and sex and prostitution and, you know, you had this character that popped up once, I think, called Kilo, right? Or Key or something, because he was like, wow. the, he was the Godfather's drug dealer. Who was that? I forgot. Oh, uh, God. Uh, wow. Vic Grimes, again, I, I want to say. I think Vic I Grimes. De- I, I, de- I defer to your, your, okay. your encycl- encyclopedic memory of, of all things WWE. That's yeah. Um, but anyway, it was it was just a definitely a, a flagpole moment in the evolution of pro Absolutely. wrestling. And with you being a, me- a part of the company at the time, I was like, what was that? You know, I just had to ask what well, that was like. I'll I'll answer that question and we can go back. What okay. it, what it meant for me as a producer was, you know, shackles are off, baby. Like, go for it. Like, there's like, I, I I'll, I'll tell you a funny story. And and again, this is like uh, right around that time. Um, I I was. I directed and produced and wrote a promo for Diesel. Okay. And, and, and I'm, I can't remember the particulars, but, but you know, the, 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 the gist of it was that he was behind the wheel of an 18 wheeler. And, you know, he was this you know, massive, just like, you know, I don't want to say you know, murderous, but, you know, badass. He was a badass, oh, you know, like. Seven no feet tall, bar, 300 pounds of badass. just, yeah. So, 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 so like the, 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 the concept of the spot was he was behind a big rig and we, you know, we, we like rented a highway or, you know, a, Parkway, we closed it off and he was behind the rig. And the concept was that, like, a half a mile down the road, he saw a mosquito on the road and he's like, you know, fuck it, I'm going to go kill this motherfucker because I'm diesel. He flies in and we do a rock focus in the camera, like, and then, you know, the, the, you know, the bug swishes on the windshield and it's just like this huge, disgusting thing. And then, you know, the windshield wiper goes and, like, we wipe on his, you know, demonic cackle and whatever. Like, you know, he, he, he even goes after fucking mosquitoes. This guy's so bad, right? <laughs> so it was a cool spot. And I did, it wasn't quite executed great. It was still good. And I remember Kevin Dunn sitting me down. And it was right at the beginning of this thing. He's like, Doug, you know what? Good spot, not great spot. You know, I, I, you know, you tried your ass off. And it didn't quite work. But God damn it, we never would have done this six months ago. So keep doing it. Like, you know, like, and I, I don't remember if it aired or not. But I just remember having this conversation with Kevin. And it stuck with me that, like, it wasn't. It wasn't like, this is awesome, but the effort was awesome because it was the first time that we were pushing. Like, we never would have done that six months before this. Right. We never would have. So it, it taught me that pushing the envelope and going, pushing things like that further was where the company wanted to go. And obviously, under, under the wing of Dave Sahadi at the time, like, you know, and Chris Chambers, you know, and Kevin, you know, we all ran with it. But it was a seminal moment. And I think it speaks to exactly what you were saying that, like, you know what? Things are different, and let's embrace that difference and, and, and take it to a level. Right, right. Change is coming. You can embrace it, or you can fight. Changes are coming. Yeah. Right. Um, going back to tough enough. So at this point, yeah. uh, Christina's hurt. I'm in the shit house at this point. Like I, I'm aware that mm-hmm. I have crosshairs on me. Martin is is departed far too soon. But again, uh, selfishly, I'm thrilled because that means the top dog is now gone, and it bought me more time. Right. Um, we kind of in the prior episode with you and I, we already kind of covered the moment with with the promo right. and and, right. and Bill Demott, and you had that right. amazing story about Dwayne. Um, I'm gone at this point. Christina okay. was eliminated at the same time. Yep, um, yep. We're down to the final three: Jeremiah, Luke, and Andy. 
What was the conversation like in the deliberation room or between you and Eric and anybody else once you had your final three? Did you, I, and I want to follow that up immediately with, did you know right off the bat that Jeremiah wasn't going to stick around long having next to zero wrestling experience? You know, the answer is in the very beginning, he was not considered, uh, you know, uh, uh, what you would call a, a prototypical WWE, uh, you know, prospect. Right. But goddamn, that fucker. Just. What a character. What a, I mean, and, and you hit the nail on the head. Wrestling, WWE wrestling is all about characters. Right. So this guy who, if you. You go down the line, with maybe the exception of Ariane and Michelle, was the worst wrestler and Rima, obviously. You know, but he was, you know, you know, but he was he was not a wrestler, but one he an had an athlete. Such an athlete, country strong, right, and, and way more intelligent than he ever let on on right. purpose. You know, he was a smart dude, both you know, oh. both in how he played the game, how he positioned himself, much like you know, him and him and Luke were the two. Two best players in the game. Yeah, you know the, they were the two smartest, self most self aware. Prior to during the process, those two got it right. And what I what what I really found, and you know, this is not letting the cat out of the bag, and I don't know if Eric spoke to it, but Steve took an affinity to him, you know, and 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 really, I I will say this: he never protected him. He never went out of his way to say, "Well, I'm keeping him." No, that never happened. But what he did do was Steve was very cool about pointing out things that were were, were about Jeremiah that were right for the business. Can you Steve get was, specific? Again, fuck, I wish I could. Like, okay. I just remember, you know, having conversations about, about, you know, how he handled himself or, 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 you know, sort of the savviness in the way he, he failed. Um, yeah. And, or, you know, the recognition and where his deficiencies were and Steve recognizing that. And quite frankly, the other trainers too. I mean, they right. were they were they were no dummies. Um, so I think that the combination of um his his intelligence and how he played the game or how he you know participated in the competition is a better way to describe that, coupled with you know the the importance of character and, and character building within our business, coupled with you know his athleticism, um, is why he deserved to be in there. Yeah. And I think really when it got down to the final three is when, okay, like now you got to be a wrestler. Right. Like now you, now you got to be a wrestler. Yeah. And he just wasn't there yet. Right. You know, he but just wasn't there yet. He also, really he also fair. came in with this like fearlessness because even though he was aware of Stone Cold Steve Austin, he wasn't coming in as a wrestling fan, all starry eyed right. that he's there. Yeah. So he's just like, I, I've, I've barely been in a wrestling ring my entire life. You know, I'm aware of who you people are who are training me, but I'm not like, ooh, oh my God, like the pressure is on. Like, and that I think helped him relax a little bit, really embrace the, I mean, we talked about it earlier, just clusterfuck. We're probably going to keep going back to that word for a while, but like he wasn't, he wasn't but tough enough was a glo- tough enough was a glorious and it magnificent cluster <laughs> in all the best was. ways and all yes. the best ways. And all the things that make a clusterfuck glorious, it was definitely that. Yes, but yes. Jeremiah, he he he's just a charming dude. He's just like charming, charming even guy. even when he failed, he's just like, I mean, I gave it everything I had, which is what you guys are looking for, right? And part of uh the conversation I had with Bill was it wasn't about 
like training us. It was about evaluating us, not just as athletes, but as human beings and how we handled challenges or embarrassing moments or adversity. And Jeremiah, probably more shameless than anybody on the show. He was, just like, he was better than Luke at that. Yes, he was the best. Right. He was he was the best. And and it's funny, you know, I don't know if these conversations happen for a reason, but everything kind of circles back. If this happened before the Attitude Era and, and you know, the, the, Jerem, the Jeremiah character, which is, you know, a combination of Hillbilly Jim and the Bushwhackers, you know, like, yes. I don't know what you're, you know right. what I mean? Like, that, and Ken Shamrock. <laughs> right. So they may have been looking for something like that more years prior. Yeah. You know, than now. But but really, again, I, I we mentioned it in in the first part of my conversation with you was that this really was as legitimate a, a, a winning down process as it could have possibly been for a competition show on a network like USA. Like Jeremiah got as far as he got and he deserved it. But when 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 the rubber hit the road and the brass tax were, were called to be paid, which were you got to work in a ring and we got to, you got to be ready. He just, he wasn't ready. And I, I, have you had him on the show yet? Yeah. Uh, okay. He, he was did he ask him a question. Did he legitimately ever want to be a wrestler or did he look at this as an opportunity to, to promote the Jeremiah Riggs brand and just be a, a, a you know, a, a reality show personality and see where that took him. Cause I, I think that that, if I remember correctly, that was a topic of conversation, like his passion for the business wasn't nearly what it was with Luke, Andy, you, right. you know, Martin, Evelise. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. No, he and I did talk about that. And it was less uh, a desire to expand the Jeremiah brand. And he's just the type of dude that just seeks out adventure. Like yes. he was he was on Daisy of Love, which was the spinoff of yeah. the Rock of Love reality <laughs> show. Right. Like he's a veteran. He's a fighter. Like he, now he rides bulls at 38 years old. He's riding bulls, which is typically a young man's game. And so it's right. like he just he just seeks out a life that thrills him. And when this, oh, comes- I should I should I should hook him up. I have friends at PBR that are that. They're starting a new reality show. I should, I should. Uh, no shit, I should. dude. When, when you and I hang up here, I will pass along his info. If you don't okay, have great. it, like I'm yeah, sure yeah, he'd love great. to hear from you, but yeah, his, his manager who was managing him as a fighter at the time came across this opportunity. It was like, Hey man, do you want to try wrestling? And right. Jeremiah just right. being like, fuck it. Let's go. You know what I mean? And, yeah. And what a, what a great reality show contestant. I mean, right. what a great, uh, again, just the, the the amazing clusterfuck of the casting and all this like and just the the, the stars that aligned to make the show as special it was and and Jeremiah was a big part of that yeah but again to get back to your question I think it was a le- legitimate time for him to go um and then uh you know I he, he was such a great guy about it and when it happened he knew you know he, yeah he, he he knew and I think it left the show with you know uh, uh you know quintessential WWE, you know, and we'll use terms that y- y- we all find fine, you know, heel and baby face for sure. Right. Like, right. but, but very nuanced heels and baby faces. Cause you know, at the time Luke was, was the good looking pretty boy, but he wasn't, I mean, he, he, he wasn't evil. I mean, he wasn't portrayed as evil. He was just savvy. I think he was portrayed as like, he was calculating. And, and, you know, and Andy was just sort of the, Oh, shucks, big old, you know, good old, you know, like, doopy strong you know country strong kid right that just you know was always safe was was you know it's 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 a trope in every reality show i was just watching top chef and i think i mentioned that in our first thing like you you, they get down to the final 
four or three, and one of those three is inevitably the one that just played it in the middle the whole time, played yeah. it in the middle the whole time, played it in the whole time, never got noticed for being bad, but never, never like, you know, took that zip line, you know, with abandon or, you know, just using analogies, but, but he was, he was, he was, he fit the mold. And I think, you know, I'm, maybe I'm jumping ahead and, 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 and going to answer a question that you may have. I think that where WWE was at the time, um, he fit the mold better than Luke did. And, you know, we could talk about the ulterior motives behind that. We will. But I, but I think that even Steve um, understood that. Um, and the trainers understood that probably better than I did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, me being a creative producer, uh, I come, I still, uh, you know, I came at things differently than, than Steve and the trainers a little bit as far as you know, what, it, what the winner of this meant to, or what winning this meant to uh, moving forward within the business side of the business. Right. Right. Um, so I, I, I think that ultimately that decision made by, you know, Vince and, and Steve and, and uh, you know, they definitely discussed it. And I, I don't know if Steve spoke to you about that, uh, but they definitely talked through it. And I think Eric might've even mentioned it, but I think that ultimately that's why Andy probably won. And again, yeah. I was not, I, I was not in that discussion process because again, I was still with you guys. You know, I sure. was still there. Like even, even when we went to the arena, you know, for that last thing, I was with Andy and Luke. I was with the show. I was with, you know, I was not part of those conversations. So I, right. I, I, I feel badly that I don't have definitive answers for you, but I can okay. just give you insight into the wives in the house. Right. And that's, that's all I'm asking for. Um, I do want to touch on Jeremiah a little bit before we get down to Andy and Luke, because there still feels like there's a lot to unpack here, but I appreciate you touching on it briefly. So confession, I was so depressed after watching season or episode one through eight, eight being the one where I got eliminated that I have actually yet to watch episodes nine or 10 Wow, good for you. That's crazy. Yeah. And so I'm, I'm going to do it as part of a, a, the watch along part of this podcast where I'm like going to actually going to revisit the episodes, you know, narrate what I'm thinking at the time. I'd like to have other contestants on. I'm not sure if I'm gonna do that as part of the podcast or on my Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash AJ Kirsch, but I have yet to watch episodes nine and 10. Um, and so. Wow. So, and, and it's interesting. I forgot that you and Christina were, were, were out on the same show. Right. Yep. And I think, I, I don't remember if Steve took my belt first or her belt first. I think he, I want to say he took hers because she oh, was. Oh man, that's bringing back memories. I remember that, that elimination. That was crazy. It was a big shock. Like, you know, it was. Uh, it was I think it was only it was, the second double elimination on the show. Wow. Uh, um, well, only because uh, Michelle quit and Zachy was eliminated. That That's right. That was it. Or maybe it was no. There was there was an elimination with with two people. Um, and fuck, it's it's escaping me at the moment. But I want to say, I, I, I think Evelise and Eric went out on the same show. That sounds right. Actually, she was, yeah, she was yep. injured though, so she she. You know, but she didn't quit. Steve made quit. a point to say she didn't yes. quit. She didn't withdraw. It was Steve's call, saying it's time yes. to go. Um, but yeah, yes. Eric. Eric went home. But Eric, that doesn't mean that you're saying you know, right. Right. <laughs> oh, but anyhow, yeah. Yes. <laughs> So what was, what was the deliberation like um, with that ultimately led to Jeremiah going home? Because based on what you and I have discussed right now, 
I'm willing to guess it was pretty easy at that point because you've got two workers and somebody who's charismatic and athletic as fuck, but just not ready for the WWE system yet. Um, that's a great question. And again, I'm trying to remember as best I can. I will tell you that it wasn't, it wasn't so cut and dry again, Ooh. because I think Steve's recognition of what Jeremiah was capable of and, and just, you know, the sort of beautiful rawness of, of the, his personality and character. Was, was there any discussion of like, what if it's Luke and Jeremiah at the end? What if it's this bromance and what if it's, you know, it's gotta be one of them. Cause Andy, I you know, like, I don't, Luke, I don't, Luke, I don't okay. think so. I, I, I don't think so. And I don't remember that, but I, I, again, I think at that point, um, it's a testament to how, you know, what, how he was viewed by the, the, the trainers and Steve that it wasn't a, you know, all right, final two, we know who they're going to be like, right. it definitely wasn't, it definitely wasn't that. I think there was a lot of, um, deference and appreciation for what Jeremiah brought to the table. But again, going back to, all right, after this, these guys got to, they got to bring it. And, and, right. and, and he, I'll speak back to what you went through. I, again, trying to pull from the dark cobwebs of my memory, you know, I do remember at certain aspects throughout the elimination process, conversations being like, listen, we don't want to hurt. We don't want to get anyone hurt. Right. You know, we don't, and we don't, whether it's that person or someone working with them. So as things got closer, more real, more difficult, whatever, that the, the talent had to, you know, the level of skill had to play a part in it. So um, I do remember that, that at, at, many points throughout the elimination discussions and the deliberation room came up. And certainly that had to be a factor when it came down to the final three. Sure. Cause um, at that point it was already, it was already decided that the 10th and final episode would be a match situation with correct. Ricky steamboat. So it's like, you can't have somebody in there who doesn't, who can't protect themselves and their opponent. Well, and, and remember this, and, and again, this is, I, I don't want to say conjecture, but it's educated conjecturism. Is that remember that the, the 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 boss still likes to protect the business, right? Sure. So sure. so even though we're pulling back the veil, so if one of the two finalists kept, would would blow spots or or you know sort of shine a light on 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 sloppy play, that, that he would not be down with that. So right. so again, I think looking at the the the, the pyramid of of, of eliminations as I am next to the, 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 the zoom screen, it, it, it all went as it should have. And he, he took it literally to 99. I mean, the man turned, turned, going to spinal tap, he turned it to yeah. 11. He just wasn't able to, you know, 12 wasn't an option. Right. Right. Uh, but yeah, an amazing showing for Jeremiah um, beginning to end. Um, and I know he, he was, there was discussions between him and FCW after the fact Um in my I'm surprised. Next- I'm surprised that he didn't, uh, you know, do anything else in the biz. I'm surprised that, you know, he didn't uh, even go to Florida FCW or, or right. you know, go to a, a, a smaller indie group and even, you know, work the mic or do something. He just, he, he got on that plane and I remember going to the airport with him and he never turned back. Yeah. Um, and, and in my next conversation with Jeremiah, I am going to get into what that was like. We didn't quite get far. That man can talk, by the way. Holy shit. We went like three hours or something and we got into like <laughs> everything that he's doing. I mean, light, like we, just, we got into everything and then, of course, ultimately got off track and are going to have to circle back. But 
Jeremiah and I are going to talk again. We're going to get into nice. his wrestling future after Tough Enough, which, as you know, wasn't long lived. Uh, right. And also he's fighting again, which I'm super happy to talk right. to him about. It's That's like, great. what a monster. What a monster. Yeah. Yeah, he was, um, I mean, he, he had he was just one of those guys that was tough and strong. And, you know, if, if, if you were unlucky enough to get into an argument at a roadside honky tonk <laughs> with that guy, you, you were you were picking yourself up off the ground, you know, not soon after. Right. Collecting your and teeth. I mean, that as a compliment. Right. Know? Right. Yes. Um, all right. Let's get into the final two. We've got Andy. We've got Luke. <laughs> Luke has been killing it up to this point. Andy, to the best of my knowledge, and maybe the Wikipedia page in front of you can tell me this, I don't think he won a skills challenge going into the finals. So Jeremiah goes home. You did. I did. I won one. It wasn't (laughs) enough, but I got one. I got one. Um, So once Jeremiah is eliminated, like you have your final two. What are those discussions like? And how... At what point did you first get wind of Luke's custom stuff? Because, and how much of a role did that play in him not getting the nod to win tough enough? Because I understand like Andy's a bigger guy. He was younger than Luke by four or five years. So he had uh, a longer future, but also I heard, you know, in my interview with Luke from his side, the customs thing coming out, didn't exactly sit well with one John Laurinaitis. And I don't know, there's, there's, there was a lot more going into this decision than I felt met the eye at the time. Again, and I want to be as transparent as I can. It's hard for me to comment on that because I was so ensconced, you know, at Hummingbird Ranch, you know, I was, I was in it. Um, The first I heard of it was, believe it or not, while I was at Hummingbird Ranch about, you know, the custom stuff. Um, and I, I heard it from um, Alex Dimonenko, who was uh, the, the executive in charge with Shed Media, the company that you know we hired or USA hired to right. do the show. And before um, you go any further, I do want to make it clear that Luke said he disclosed this on his application. This was not something right. that he kept a secret from anybody. Well, so I will say this. And, and again, I, I'm going to give you insight from my perspective from within the company. Okay. Or, or uh, having been at Hummingbird Ranch and not part of the, you know the, any conversation with, with with Johnny Ace or any of those other guys, or ultimately I'm sure Vince and whoever else was you made the ultimate call. But I will tell you this: that isn't it interesting. And I believe Luke did disclose this, you know, because as you know, the casting process was so exhausted. Yeah. Right. But isn't it interesting that? he made it all the way to number two. So if it was an issue, that's how real the show was, right? That like, they let things happen, right? Yeah, it was just, it that's happened. a great point. Like, it got, he got all the way to the final two on, on, on merit and whether or not this, you know, we'll call it the customs or whatever, you know, his, you know, the, the, the LA stuff that he did prior was ultimately what, what was his downfall or not. Isn't it interesting that it, if it came up, it was in the final. So it didn't hold him back. Yeah. Until the last episode, until the last hour. Who knows? I don't know the, the behind the, you know, the machinations, but, but I think that's amazing and interesting. And if that was the case, which it was, and I hope I don't come off as defending the company. And if I do, okay, but it, it's not my intent. It is their right to say, okay, we're down to the final two. We let this guy go. You know, he's great. He's 
he's all these things, but he has this in his past. Does that work for us mm. as we're moving forward and creating a WWE superstar in the mold that we want to? Right. So, so um, I think that if it did play a factor, that's okay. It's whether we agree with it or not as human beings, whether or not you and I, you know, and I know, and I love, you know, that side of your person that embraces all humanity. And I have that as, in me as well, whether or not we agree with whether that should play a part or not in a decision like this, they are allowed to let it play a part. And, right. and, and I think that's what happened, not knowing for sure. But I like to look at things on a broader scope. I think they gave him an amazing opportunity. They let him go as far as he possibly could. And then they said, okay, for us right now, this person is better. Right. right right now. And what's funny is, you know, if Andy had gotten hurt and it was Martin and Luke or if Andy had gotten hurt and it was Luke and you, who knows what would happen? But when the chips fell the way they fell, because it was as real as it got, it was as legit as legit can be with those two last men standing, Andy was a better fit for WWE moving forward than Luke was through their optics. And you right. and, and that you have to understand that. And and I know it's hard for Luke to accept. But but I understand it, and I understand right. it through the lens that I just explained to you. Right, and and, and that I hope was, that I gave you, I shined a light on it in a way that you didn't think about. It. No, you did. I was just about to say that. Like that was something. Had had it been a deal breaker from the very beginning, Luke may not have even made it on the show, and let alone had succeeded as much as he did. So yes, thank you for that. Is that is a new perspective from the way that I see it? And if Luke listens to this, hopefully. It, it allows him some perspective as well, because that's a great point. At this point, it's job interview. At this point, yes. it's it's what's in your past that may look poorly on on the company for any reason, really. Or what or, or what they were looking to do with talent at that gestation cycle of WWE. Right? That's you also true. Were, Maybe they just needed more big guys at the time. So, Who so, knows? So, right. And, and again, just because he didn't win did not preclude him from being successful in the business. Ariane, right. Evelise, Martin, Christina. So, so, and then, you know, his decision to say, you know what, I've, I've gone through this gauntlet of the business. I now, I realize where my real passion lies, which is in Wolfpack and being where I was. And he enjoyed every minute of it. And maybe that's part of it too. Like maybe, you know, they looked at it like this guy is, it, it, this is a business for him or this is whatever. And Andy, this is his, who knows? Again, right. I, I wasn't privy to those, but when, the, when, 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 it came time to make the decision. Their choice of Andy made sense to me, whether I agreed with it or not. That's totally fair. Totally fair. Hey, everybody. We'll be back with the last half hour of this episode in less than 60 seconds. But I just wanted to remind you that if you're enjoying the podcast, there are a ton of ways you can support, many of which are free. Let's start with the free ones. You can, of course, subscribe on your podcast provider of preference by going to thetoughtalkpod.com. You can follow on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's all at the Tough Talk Pod. You can rate and review on Apple Podcasts, which really does help get more eyes and ears on the show. And if you'd like to support monetarily, you get access to early and ad-free episodes, full-length bonus episodes, and a whole lot more by signing up for the Money Talks tier at patreon.com slash ajkirsch. And finally, if you want to advertise shoot an email to aj.kirsch at hotmail.com and we'll get the conversation going. I appreciate you tuning in, everybody. Now back to Tough Talk with AJ Kirsch. What conversations were you privy to as the finale on Raw 
prior to Raw, I should say, when Steve Austin would make the decision live in the ring, what conversations were you privy to? And like, what was that day like as you, um, Andy and Luke kind of arrived at the arena that day? Because again, this wasn't specifically for Monday Night Raw. It preceded Monday Night Raw and was a lead-in to the show. Right. Like crown the winner of Tough Enough, stick around for Monday Night Raw. So I'm curious right. just what that day looked like and what conversations you were privy to oh about the selection process hectic, leading up to that day. Hectic, 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 hectic. Yeah. Raw Clusterfuck. Uh, <laughs> uh, 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 but but it, it really isn't in that it is, it's a well-oiled machine, but it's a well-oiled machine of, of, in, of insane movement. Yeah. You know, just moving parts on every level from, from jump street, from, from, you know, load in the night before or something right. day up to load out the night of sometimes the next morning, which you were a part of in San Diego. Right. Um, so it's just, uh, uh, it's like a, it's like a, it's like a universe all in of itself every Monday night. Now, three times a week back then. Um, so what I remember, I remember, um, you know, I'll take it a step back. I spent a lot of time on the road on raw. I was uh, in charge of in truck graphics for many years. Um, so I had a uh, sort of a backstage view and appreciation of what goes on in the truck for raw. So, and I had a relationship with Kevin Dunn. So I worked for him and obviously, you know, both, uh, you know, as an employee, but uh, as a, you know, we've developed a friendship. So I sat with him as, you know, the co-executive producer and talked through what he needed from the talent, what he needed from our footprint as a show. Um, and then, you know, sort of discussing the run of show and, and uh, how it was going to be handled you know, live, as you said, and they were going to come down the thing and Vince would walk down and his character would do this and they'd be in the center wing. So I was acutely aware of, of the processes and, and, and how we had to do things and where the guys had to be and what needed to be done as far as promos beforehand and, you know, like all, all the media stuff. And so I was involved in all that. But again, I, had, I didn't know who was going to win for sure until Vince announced it. I was right. not told. Uh, I had no idea. I don't think Eric was told either. You're right. Um, and Eric was that, present at Raw as well, wasn't he? Yes. Uh, yes. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Um, and I think that probably bothered Eric. I think that, um, you know, if I remember correctly, listening to his uh, conversation with you, I think he wanted to be a little bit more involved because he was so involved with the whole show. Right. But I think um, as he moved on with his relationship with WWE and, and Trump and, and, you know, Apprentice and all this stuff, I think he understands that sometimes like, you know, that, uh, that isn't the case. And, right. and sometimes, you know, you have to understand when to pull back a little bit. And so I had that understanding. And I know I, 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 you know, when you work with Vince, you know where you where you stand and when when you can say something when you're just not needed, wanted, or it, it's not necessary to, you know, to 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 be a part of the process. And that was that for me for the show. I was my 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 charge was dealing with the talent, you know, making sure my show footprint wasn't getting in the way of the jib camera or you know camera three's you know reverse angle of of you know anything. You know what I mean? Like so. Yeah. I, I had a lot to deal with, but but I did not know who was going to win, and did I? Nor did I feel the need that I had to, you know, stick my head around the corner and listen in if that was you know the proverbial opportunity, which right. there wasn't. Uh, quick side question: When you're referring to Vince 
on screen. Do you refer to him as his character? Is that just how you refer to the Mr. McMahon character? Or do you just call him, do you call him Vince ever? Or is it always like specific language where you refer to him as his character? Um, I mean, in the office, it was always Vince. Okay. Um, uh, it was, uh, you know, he, but, but is it different if it's on screen though? Is it like, is there yes. a deliberate, is there a deliberate, um, I don't know, not rule, but like, is like you call him Vince if you're at the office, but if you're seeing him on screen, on camera, do you specifically refer to it as his character just to, you know? Yes, I think so. I mean, because I okay. think the Mr. McMahon character was, was, uh, you, you know, certainly a, a, a bombastic exaggeration of Vince, the person, a caricature um, of Vince. Yes. Yes. Yeah, and, okay. and to his creation and his want and liking, you know, he, right. he, God, he eats it up and loves it. But yeah, I mean, I think this goes for all the talent. Uh, I think when you're on the production side, you have to recognize when their talent is in the zone. And no matter how, what relationship I had with the big show, no matter what relationship I had with, with, with Jericho, or no matter what my relationship was, when you see them, especially in an arena, it's very important for you to recognize when they're in the zone and when they want to be approached, when they want to pat on the back, when they want to not be bothered. And, you know, if you get that wrong as a talent, as a producer, mm. they will lose, you know, you'll trust, you lose a little face with those guys and trust. So yeah. now amplify that by 10. So when, <laughs> when Vince is, when Vince is there and is, you know, and there's anything that says, you know, Mr. McMahon in the rundown, you know, it's the character, it's, it's, but it's better to be like, you know, just assume that you want, you know, let him, let him have his thing. Like, you know, right. you don't. Yeah, Vince is always in the zone. It seems like he's he is a zone. Well, uh, Mr. McMahon, the character is in the zone, but yeah, Vince is Vince is, is twenty five hours a day, eight days a week, the business, right? And, and he loves it to death, and he's so passionate. And again, as an employee, you need to understand how to how to recognize that passion and how he's focusing on it that particular day and what that means as far as, um, you know, present presenting an idea, um, letting someone else speak, uh, in, in, in a meeting, not, not, uh, you know, pushing, uh, uh, you know, ideas when, when he doesn't want them pushed, you know, um, it, it's, 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 it's definitely, a um, uh, it, it takes a long time to understand mm-hmm. that about him. Um, but once you do, you know, you, you, you can, you can, he, he, you can you understand how to work with him got it um got it but but again his passion for the business is is un, uh, is unrivaled i mean right. forget about the wrestling business i think his passion for what he does i would put it up there with with lebron james with with michael jordan you know with with their passion for what they did and you know larry bird shooting a thousand free throws in the dark in, in french lick indiana like Vince does that in his brain, you know, that's his, you know, he's up, you know, it's those type of guys. And Vince is one of those kind of guys. Right. Right. Um, an exceptional breed. Absolutely. And, yes. and that's why they're successful. That's why all right. those guys are hall of famers of what they do. Right. Uh, you know, it's, um, it's what conversations were you privy for prior to the, uh, announcement of the winner? And did you have, you, you said you didn't know who was going to win, but did you have, an inkling or an inclination as to be like, you know, I'm not, maybe I'm not a betting man, but if I had to put money on it, I'd say it was, you know, fill in the blank. Um, 
I, 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 here we go. Cat out of the bag. If I, if I were to pick, I would have picked Luke. Okay. Um, but again, understanding, I understood why they, they, they picked Andy. And I think this, that decision and that understanding and, 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 um, okay, it wasn't my way, but I understand why it went that way. Trans, you know, uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like it, it, uh, it, it, it goes beyond wrestling. It translates in every walk of life. You know, when I have an argument with my wife or we try to make decisions and I want to do something different and she wants to do something different. Sure. I may not agree with it, but I understand why she, she's making that decision. Right. And, you know, uh, again, I keep using baseball as an analogy. I watch a baseball game. A manager comes in and decides, you know, he wants to pull a pitcher mm-hmm. earlier than, than me, a fan might want to. And I'm yelling at the TV, what the fuck are you doing? You know, he's got <laughs> 20 pitches up. What are you doing? Yeah. I don't agree with it. But I understand his rationale behind it. That's the best way I can describe it. I, right. I you know, I, 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 I would have picked Luke if, if, and I think, I think that. Um, can, can I ask you to elaborate on why? Um, I think because as we discussed earlier, as a person, things that were important to me or not important to me were different than the corporate's importance. So, but again, this wasn't. This wasn't. Dougie LeBeau tough enough. This was WWE tough enough. And they had the right to pick who they felt made the most sense for them. And I understood why they picked him. I just right. wouldn't have. Um, sure. But um, that could go out to, you know, I'm again, looking at the thing. I would have, I love Matt to stay longer, but I understand why he went, uh, you know, like that. Yeah. And there's a perfect example. Like I, you know, he was a great guy and his talent was on tap, but I understand why Steve, Gave him the boot, and we let that happen, or we let it happen. It happened organically. I don't want to say let it happen. That's yeah. wrong. Based on you know, it happened because of the construct of the show, and then we rolled with it, right? Mm-hmm. And it worked. I think this is you know, you can draw that same analogy to here. Like Andy won. Okay, let's roll with it. Let's see what happened. And like you know, and 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 I don't think it hurt the show one iota at that time. Um, maybe you think differently and I'd like to, you know, maybe you can answer that question. Did that choice of Andy in your mind hurt the show? Um, uh, and if so, why? Yeah. Uh, I think at the time a little bit, um, obviously now I have a much more broad perspective about why it happened, but when you're looking at it strictly from the perspective of the show, like you're looking at, um, how did this person perform from, beginning to end and sorry i had to shift i had to shift oh, no. camera there my, my wife just went on the, the, the swivel chair so I had to quite all right quite, quite all right <laughs> <laughs> um if we're looking at it from like over the course of the show who did the best then yeah it's luke clearly it's luke right. like not just from i mean he had an amazing character that he crafted very carefully and came into the show with this character already in mind which he executed flawlessly in the ring he outperformed almost everybody except Martin. Um, You know, he, even though uh, Steve took an affinity to Jeremiah, he still had, like, he liked Luke. He had cool hand Luke. Yeah. He he really liked, he really liked Luke and appreciated his talent. Yeah. So at the time it was like, what the fuck? Andy, who, what, why? So I, I think it hurt the show at the time, but again, after, you know, years of reflection and a dozen plus interviews with people who are on the show. It's like, I get it. I get it. Like 
customs thing, maybe it had an impact on the final decision, maybe not. But also, like I said, Andy was bigger, Andy was younger, um, and Andy had already been in the developmental system. Like he was in, he was, he wasn't under contract to Florida Championship Wrestling, which would become NXT at the time, but right. he was fighting to keep his job. He was already yes. familiar enough with the system. And I wouldn't be surprised if part of the decision of claiming Andy, uh, declaring Andy as the winner was like, well, there's no acclimation process. There's no relocation process. He's already here. Let's just give him this rub Maybe. from Tough Enough and and see Maybe. what he does with it. So, and, and, you know, the, the family man, young kid storyline. You know, sure. You know, um, but I'll, again, I'll, I'll, I'll and I'm, I'm going to give you the 15 minute warning. Yes. I, I, I have the heart um, out, but I, I will say this, like, I always like throwing analogies out to other shows and I'm not a huge American Idol fan, but back in the day, I watched it enough to be able to use this analogy with, with, with some confidence. Like, I don't remember the year, but like Lee fucking DeWise. I mean, or one of the, the guy who, the, one of the, one of the guys was like the drizzling shits. I'm like, how the fuck did this guy win, man? Like, <laughs> right. Like there was so many, you know, the guy who's the, the lead singer for Queen now. The, uh, the Oh, Adam uh, Lambert. Yeah. Oh my God. I mean, the guy was the best singer the show's ever had. And he got, you know, but you still watch the show because you understand that sometimes there are things you don't know why these things happen and they happen. And like, right. that's what keeps bringing you back. So like, that's what I'm saying. I don't think it hurt the show at all, especially, like I said, because if you look at it through the lens of Luke made it as far as that, yeah. if, if, if there was ever an issue and they really, you know, it, 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 I think it would have hurt the show if we left earlier. Yeah, I agree. Like, I, I think agree. so. So the beauty of it happening as organically as it did all the way to as long as it did. And I'll take a step back because the, the, you asked about the final three. We get to the final three. Jeremiah has to go because he's just not ready to, to work like that. Right. So that makes sense. Now we get to the final two and the decision was made. Hey, what's best for the company? This is not a popularity contest with the show, right? Yeah. With the fans. It's not a popularity contest with the contestants. Right. What the show is, is WWE wanted to find someone tough enough for their roster and they felt it was Andy. And that's right. it. Right. And that's the truth. And that is the truth. And uh, the, the, another great, grand, broad, amazing Vinceism. Like, there's no such thing as bad publicity, right? Like, people didn't like it. So what? It's great. Like, yeah, they're talking. The show is, they're talking, and the show is fucking awesome. And, you know, it didn't matter. Right. It, and that's why I keep saying it didn't hurt the show. Whether or not I thought he should have won or not, I 111% understand why he did. Right. I got you. Um, were you. I'm I'm willing to guess, and I might be wrong, that you weren't present for any of the conversations happening between Vince and Steve about declaring yeah. the winner. Were you aware of anything that was said in those conversations, just by by third, you know, conjecture or anything? No, no. I I, I wish I could, but I will tell you this: that um, it was handled in the way that. WWE handles all their business when it comes to these kind of decisions. Vince sits with talent and they have conversations and, and it's open dialogue and, and they discuss things. And again, I'm not, I'm not behind that curtain with the wizard. So, uh, you know, I don't know what's going on, but I will tell you that a discussion was had and that open dialogue was shared. And, and um, it wasn't a, it was Vince. I mean, Steve was definitely involved and, uh, and part of the process. It wasn't a dictatorial thing from, you know, so, so, 
No, I don't have no idea, but I do know that Steve was was part of the process. Yeah. Right. Okay. Great. Um, let's see. I'm keeping an eye on time because you do have that hard out, and I know we're we'll try to wrap it up in ten minutes, so we're not like yeah. Okay. Out to I mean, get I can you go a little bit over. That's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Um, what was your let's let's see? Was it be safe to say you were surprised um, when maybe not blown away, but surprised when Steve announced Andy is the winner? And where were you at the time? Where were you when I, that I, moment happened? Gorilla? I, no, I was not gorilla. I believe I was ringside, believe it or not. I think okay. I was, I think, uh, you know, once, once they were, you know, brought to gorilla and once they were, um, you know, uh, prepped and ready and, and waiting to walk down, I think I went to the hard camera side, okay. um, you know, where, you know, so I wouldn't be seen. So I was behind, uh, you know, camera one. Uh, or in front of it, so you know, but but ringside, and I right. watched it live. Yes, and I, again, I don't, I, I don't think I was. Uh, no, I, my action wasn't like what the fuck. No, no, oh, yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't that. It was like okay, wow. Uh, I, I I would have gone a different route, but awesome. Let's go. Sure, like, way to go. Excited Andy. to see what happens. Right. Yeah. And and in, in a way, you know, it's 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 a it's bittersweet for me too because it was the end of my show. Right. Like yeah. it was the end of my show. Like this was it. Like after that. I w- had to go back to work on Monday in, in Connecticut. You know what I mean? Like, so this magical, amazing carpet ride that I was on for six months, you know, because remember that we prep and we, you know, between the location yeah. scouting and this and the casting and the filing and this and moving and this and bringing my family and all. It was a half a year. And it was, the, you know, at that time, the, the, the best professional experience of my life. Wow. That's cool. And it ended. Yeah. yeah, it was. I, I, you know, at that point in my career, it was by sure. far and away the best, the best thing I was I ever did as far wow. as enjoy, enjoyment, um, pride, um, you know, just uh, career advancement, whatever it was. I just loved every second of it. And wh- whether it was Luke or Andy's hand raised, after I went like this, I'm like, well, fuck. Now I got to yeah. go back to Stanford, and you know, <laughs> who know? And I didn't you know Legend House wasn't a thing yet. Right. You know what I mean, like. Right. So I didn't I didn't know what the next phase of my career was. So it was a very bittersweet moment okay. for me, um, just because I loved every goddamn second of that show. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right, ten minute warning. Let's let's rapid fire some questions real quick. Sure, sure, um, sure. Were you present when Andy got chewed out immediately after heading backstage when he uh, took the stunner and then didn't sell it for very long? Did you hear about no, that? No, no, of course. Yeah, of course yeah. I heard about it. I, I heard Steve talk about it and I knew about it that day. Again, um, in, in, the, in the org chart of where a, a creative producer would be present in those things, if I happen to be walking backstage and, and, and stumbled upon it, that's the only way I would have seen it. My, yeah. my gut is it probably wasn't you know, in Gorilla in front of everybody. It probably was somewhere back you know in the arena somewhere i i was um, i was i was uh there for it i was just passing by as well i didn't want to like hover around and stare but right. it was it was it was near gorilla but it was off, right. it was so, off but, the side a little right. bit yeah so no i wasn't I, I don't know where i was but i certainly heard about it afterwards and and you know my take on that is welcome to your education son yeah you no know, hard like, lesson like hard lesson like Get, you're a WWE talent now. Like you won this thing, now you got to know. And I'm I'm pretty sure that he wasn't left to, well, beforehand to be like, hey, you know, we, here's what's going to happen. He probably was schooled. Like, listen, like the stunner is 
you know, it, it's like a thousand pound brick being dropped on you, man. Like that's how you have to handle it. And, and, you know, you understand that he was green and you understand that, you know, he was excited and you understand that, that, um, you know, he would do it better the next time, but God damn it speaks to volumes about the business that like, even this kid who's minutes into his on-camera career yeah. is still being schooled by the best in the business how to do things because everything matters on camera. Right. And like, so again, not surprised by it. I kind of felt bad for him. And I think it was a, a harbinger of things to come for him. Yeah. Um, I, w- I want to get into that briefly. Were you a little bit surprised that he didn't have a better run in, in FCW? I'm never surprised. Never surprised. I'm, I'm, I'm never surprised by who makes it, who doesn't. I'm never surprised because as we as we discussed earlier in this conversation, every time you're in the ring, there's 5,000 decisions that have to be made. So it's the rare bird and the rare breed that can get all 5,000 of them right every time they're in the ring. Right. So I'm never surprised at who makes things, who, who succeeds, who fails, why they succeeded, why they failed. It's X factors on both sides of the ledger of success and failure. And as we said, this, the business of wrestling is, is arguably the most difficult uh, you know, sporting endeavor um, there is and a, a myriad of opportunity to fail. So uh, again, no, not surprised. Right. Never. Okay. Whether it's Andy or the gobbledygooker or you know, any of the other people that we mentioned that started and faded out or, you know, right. I'm never surprised because it's, it's, you know, it's so damn hard. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned that at the time, tough enough was the uh, best project you've ever been a part of. Right. What, if anything has taken that top spot since over the last 10 years and why? I mean, uh, so the great question, obviously you, you wanted to touch a little bit about legends house. Legends house was, uh, you know, again, I don't think we'll get a lot of time to talk about it because I do. Yeah, have- you know, if, if, if you want to do a follow-up down the road, uh, yeah. I'll be happy to, to talk to you about it, but I'll give you five minutes on legends house. So legends house was special to me for several reasons. One, um, again, I was able to take my family to California at a newborn son who was able to sort of, lived the life with me out there, which was wonderful. Cool. Um, but uh, as far as, as far as, uh, you know, experience goes, it was Eric and I again, and we had a, 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 a beautifully contentious relationship in, in all the best ways. And, and so that continued. So we had a shorthand and we were able to be honest with each other and, and sort of, you know, go toe to toe when necessary. But for the most part, you know, I, my understanding of, uh, you know, the importance of him sort of, running the show on site and where my place was as the uh, executive is in charge on the wrestling side. Um, but to me, the, 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 you know, the best things about that show were me and Gene Oakland and Pat Patterson. I developed such a amazingly co- close relationship with those two. And I could tell you, you know, crazy, crazy fun party stories of us, you know, me sneaking them out in the middle of the, uh, in the middle of the night to go drink or me oh my God. excuses to go play golf with them while the other guys were still being sequestered. Like, and, 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 you know, we, we just became very, very close. Um, but also, you know, the sort of the, the, the realness of that show also, again, I give Eric a lot of credit and Eric developed a crazy tight relationship with, with, um, Piper with hot rod, yeah. with Rowdy Roddy Piper. Yeah, man. They got really close and I saw it and I'm like, you know what, I'm not inserting myself there. Like that's an important relationship. That's going to help the show. And I really, I mean, I had a relationship with, with, with Roddy, but they really had a connection that really helped the show. And again, that show too was very, very real. Like Pat 
having his moment about admitting to the world that he was homosexual. I, I knew Pat was gay for 30 years. Like we all, the people behind the scenes knew it, but we had legitimate conversations late night um, before the show with, you know, with, 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 with Gene, with, with, you know, it, it, it was, it was, should we, shouldn't we, should we, shouldn't we, should we, does he want to? And it's all his choice. Like it was not pushed that he needed to do it. And Gene really helped him make that decision. And those tears in that episode were fucking real. And though that conversation was fucking real and, 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 you know, the talent talking to him about what he went through and recognizing the weight that he carried forever was, was, was blew me away. Like it yeah. was such great television. So that's what I take away from that show. It was just, it was just a really funny, true show. I mean, yeah, like we, 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 fabricated some schmaz and gaga with you know with sure it's gonna be some silly and like, shit yeah yeah and, and we made up the you know with the the jousting and the and, and all that stuff you know the the reality show things of it were goofy but everything in that house was untouched you know all you know roddy barking at the moon because of his demons and, and was real you know like the arguments the you know the, the the reactions to gary Busey and the you know all those things were 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 real man none of that was forced and so that's what i'm proud of too is like walking that fine line of of walking the fine line right, right? Of, of, right. of doing a reality show uh, and letting it be real but also letting it um represent the business in a good light a good and have light. heart and, and the genuine humanity from these people great th- thank you for that yes great, great heart and humanity and fun and, and, and fun. good television right yes so so right. so that's my, that's that's my that's my uh my uh Legends House stuff. And yeah, and, and I've worked on some cool stuff. I, I partnered with uh, Pepsi and an and a agency called IMG, uh, uh, UEG, I'm sorry, uh, United Entertainment Group. And my partner and I created um, a team called Los Cheetahs, and it's basically the Harlem Globetrotters of, of soccer. Okay. And we created uh, much of the mold of WWE. We created, you know, good guys, Los Cheetahs representing the brand versus El Jefe's, you know, the bosses. Oh, sure. Tonic and rigid. And we created a, a WWE event on a soccer field with, with gags and this. And, you know, so it was like WWE meets Harlem Globe Charters. And we put on this big event in Long Beach in front of five, 6,000 people. And then we toured nice. with the Mexican national soccer team for a couple of years. So that was pretty cool. Um, so those are the three sort of big, big picture pillar highlights of my career, but certainly, you know, Tough Enough and Legends House are, are one and one A. Amazing. Amazing. Final question that I have started to ask everybody at the end of, um, what might be our final conversation? It sounds like there's a lot to crack open with Legends House, but how would you describe your relationship with professional wrestling? Wow, that's such a great question, um, and 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 it's a question that I think of often, believe it or not. Um, I will forever be in love with the business. Uh, it has given me my life. I mean, it's given me um, financial security. It has given me. Um, creative understanding it gave me um artistic expression it gave me lifelong friendships it gave me um agita <laughs> you know it gave me uh uh you know it, it gave me the, the wheel of life joy pain hate love love um uh, everything you want in a relationship i had with the business and have with the business but you know, I, I I will love and respect the business to the day I die. And that's coming from a guy that never watched a moment of wrestling until I went to work at WWE. Never, never watched a second of it. Um, so 
I, 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 I so appreciate the business. And, uh, you know, at 52 years old now, uh, it's given me memories. It's given me friendship and it still gives me opportunity. I, I, I get calls all the time, whether it's based on my resume, uh, you know, just with the respect that the business gets, um, and whether it's through, you know, six degrees of Kevin Bacon, someone that I worked with two years ago, you know, somewhere else and remember I did this, that, and the other thing. So it's, it's, it's a relationship that continues to give and that will probably continue to give until I retire. Um, but the lessons I learned um, both in business and, and as a person, I think will stay with me forever. And I think um, as a wrestling fan, you can, you can probably appreciate uh, a lot of those sentiments. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, very well said. And uh, as I'm looking at the clock here, it is about that time, and I don't want to keep you anywhere. One twenty nine Eastern time. You nailed it. Nailed man. it. Like, we we got fifteen me, seconds to close this thing out. Here, like AJ, it's, let's go home, buddy. It's, it's time, time to go, go home. home. <laughs> well, it's been an absolute blast catching up with you. I'm very, very grateful. He is Doug LeBeau, and this has been Tough Talk with AJ Kirsch. You the man. Take care, y'all. Later, buddy. <laughs>